You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Everybody and welcome back to Circling Shell Sports on Converge Media. Of course, as always, I'm your host Charles Hammerker here with you. We're back in the home studio for this week. Unfortunately, uh, had some scheduling things go wrong. Now, not wrong necessarily, but Kraken had practice this morning, uh, so we're in the home studio. Uh, we have some exciting stuff here when we return to the studio. That'll be fun. Um, but more of the excitement uh, is most well. Coming off of uh, yesterday's rain win, we'll get to that. But outside of it, the uh, the weekend for Seattle sports teams didn't go very well. Did not go very well. Uh, and, and that starts uh, with our first team that we go over, of course, uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. Really tough week. Uh, tough weekend. Tough game for the Seahawks here. Uh, going into Baltimore. Baltimore team that had really manhandled the Detroit Lions. A Detroit Lions team that looked like one of the best in the league outside of the loss to the Seahawks uh, early in the season. Uh, and the Ravens continue to look strong. They handily defeat the Seahawks 37-3. to uh, Seattle's offense hold only one field goal in this game. The offense struggles Largely, the offensive line gets manhandled by the front seven of Baltimore, uh, affecting Geno Smith's play. Geno Smith throws two interceptions. Really tough all-around game here. Uh, the defense, I, I put less blame on the defense considering how long they had to be on the field. Baltimore had 40 minutes of possession in this game. Uh, the Seahawks, yeah, no, the first few drives, uh, the Seahawks defense was able to hang tough. They got a strip sack of uh, Lamar Jackson. Boy, Amafe continues his strong play. We'll talk about him. Um, but when you have to go out there again and again and again, uh, you know, eventually teams are going to get long drives against you. That's what Baltimore was able to do by the third quarter. By the end of the third quarter, this was no longer a game. Uh, so really, really tough one. This is the second biggest loss of the Pete Carroll era in terms of deficit. Uh, and, and one that, you know, really could be a big turning point, a big moment in this Seattle season for these Seahawks as we're around that midpoint of the year. Um, and games like this matter. There's going to be a big stretch in a few weeks where Seattle's going to need to uh, put together some gutsy performances against some good teams, uh, Dallas, Philly, and the 49ers twice in a span of three weeks. Um, and if this is any indication on how some things might go, it's not good. Baltimore, again, though, might be one of the best teams in the entire NFL, uh, considering how strong their defense is, how Lamar is, uh, and the excuse me, talent group around him. Uh, we look at the offensive player of the game. I'm not a lot going on on the offensive side of the ball. The team's leading rusher was Kenneth Walker III uh, with only 19 yards. I believe it was 19 yards. It might have been six, 16 in actuality. I will double-check that for you just so I can get that right. But point being, less than 20 yards on the ground is not you know something that's just sustainable. Yeah, 16 yards, nine carries. Uh, Zach Charbonnet four rushes for only only eight yards. You know Smith, uh, one interception. Pardon me. Got sacked four times. Yeah, not not great in this one. Jackson Smith and Jigba leads the team. Six receptions for 63 yards. 
uh, long of 35 on seven targets. DK Metcalf only gets one reception on four targets. Not a good day overall. Just a really hard game for this offense. Not able to get anything going. Um, Geno Smith loses a fumble. That's two turnovers, one interception, um, and one turnover. Uh, just a tough night there. Uh, again, uh, well, day. For the offense here, Jackson Smith and Jigba, though, nice to see if we're going to take some positives out of these games. Uh, continued decent play, strong play uh, as he continues on in his rookie year. Uh, speaking on continuing strong years, uh, Boye Mafe in his second season, six total tackles, five solo tackles, one sack and one fumble recovery in this game against the Ravens. Uh, his six consecutive games uh, with a sack ties uh, a franchise record, which is uh, Michael Sinclair. Uh, he also joins some big company in doing so around the entirety of the NFL. Uh, so really nice from Boye Mafe there, continuing to make an impact, rushing the passer, uh, getting the sacks, having the fumble recovery is nice, recovering his own strip sack. Uh, it's big to see him continue to perform. Again, we've talked about the pass rush for this Seattle team for years uh, and just wanting to see it improve and having a guy that you drafted in Boye Mafe uh, make the big leap from year one to year two here uh, is, is really strong from this front office. Uh, that they believed in what they saw in him and they knew that he was going to be someone that needed to improve, but they liked what the floor, they liked what the the potential of him could be. Uh, nothing too bad per se when it comes to the inactives list. Uh, just kind of some of the guys who have been there already, Devin Bush, Caillou Blue Kelly, McClendon Curtis, uh, Raekwon O'Neal, Miles Adams, offensive guard. Anthony Bradford was not able to go, but Phil Haynes was able to go. Jason Peters got elevated from the practice squad once again and did start on and off at the right tackle position. Uh, switching spots with um, Stone Forsyth. The Seahawks did have two injuries coming out of this game. Running back DJ Dallas uh, and outside linebacker Derek Hall both left this game with shoulder injuries. Uh, every Monday, head coach Pete Carroll has his weekly show after the games, usually where he talks about uh, the game itself, he did not have any sort of clarification on those two injuries, which is unfortunate. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on with DJ Dallas, someone obviously another running back on this team, someone who handles return duties uh, will be notable to see what is up with him. Uh, Derek Hall, another uh, a rookie year guy, you know, someone else you're looking to grow as a pass rusher uh, and interesting to see uh, how that affects him, how he's doing. So, this, this was an all-around tough game. I mean, again, you have to factor in how good Baltimore has been, how good their defense has been coming into this game. Seattle's offense hadn't exactly been fully clicking. You know, the struggles to add on in the wins against Arizona, against Cleveland. Cleveland's got one of the better defenses in the league. So does Baltimore. Uh, the only difference is here, uh, the Ravens have a far better offense, I would say, than the Browns right now. Uh, and it really showed out in this game. I'm not going to put a ton of stock into this game uh, about the, the the demise and the doom and this and that. You got to watch the entire tape here. Uh, people blaming Geno Smith for everything are foolish. You know, just to say, oh, Geno, he's a bad quarterback. He's this, this and that. Geno Smith is not the future at quarterback for the Seahawks, he shouldn't be, but you know, he signed that deal. Seattle was very okay with what they had in the moment. They said, we see what you can do. We have the weapons around you. And they didn't feel like they needed to waste draft draft capital on a quarterback at this point in time. They felt happy with that. They felt happy with what Geno Smith can provide going forward. And so they gave him that deal. They rewarded him for coming out and performing as he did last season. 
Um, and he's still a fine quarterback. He has a couple mistakes in these games. But if you look at the way that they the Ravens defense got to him this past game, you can't blame this game on Geno Smith. I'm not saying he's was great. I'm not justifying the mistakes that happened in these games, but I'm saying it's not fully on him. Expecting Drew Locke to come in and do any better is foolish. It's foolish. You have to look at the entirety of the game, not just one man. And a lot of casual sports fans do that. And that's fine. If you want to, you know, think on a basic level, that's okay. You can think on a basic level, but you have to look at the overall. Don't zoom in, zoom out and see the entirety of the play and see the struggles that the offensive line is having. Cause these guys are getting beaten inside and I don't blame them necessarily a ton. This is a great Baltimore defense. You have to look at the play calling as well. You're looking at these long developing plays here. Just throw the ball, Gino. None of these guys are open. So you want him to, throw in the coverage you want him to just throw it out of bounds and take uh, a, a, an intentional grounding call i i don't know you know it's some of the things you hear just kind of let you know the level of understanding that some folks have of the game of football uh just asking a guy to throw it when no one's open is is the choice it's a very much a choice so again not saying that gino has been playing excellent but certainly need to give him more support, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's the play calling. That that that's got to come around. We can't run the ball either. When you only got your lead back has 16 yards on the ground, that's not great. You know, Seattle used to play. I, mean, I say used to earlier in the season had a lot of uh, inf- involvement with their tight ends. You know, whether it was in the run game or in the passing game off play action, they've gone away from that. Uh, they especially went away from that in this game against the Ravens. I don't know why. When you're playing a front seven, is so. It wouldn't hurt to have a guy uh, like one of your tight ends chip, uh, chip the pass rushers, you know, be involved in the run game. Uh, and then you can play action off of that. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's interesting to see what we, we've received lately from Shane Waldron, uh, the offensive coordinator of Seattle. Excuse me. In terms of play calling and such. So um, there was positive. It did drop the day after um, we got uh, out of last week's show, which was kind of funny. Uh, the team traded for defensive lineman Leonard Williams. Uh, so Seattle sends over a 2024 second round pick uh, and a 2025 fifth round pick uh, to the Giants. One second. Um, yes, a 2024 second round pick and a 2025 fifth round pick to the New York Giants. New York sends over defensive lineman Leonard Williams. Williams will pay all, well, not Williams. The Giants will play all but the veteran minimum base salary for the rest of the season for the Seahawks. So the Seahawks are paying a a, a guy that's going to be a big factor on the defensive line all but uh, the, the veteran minimum, which is big. Uh, New York, they're kind of in a weird spot. Uh, their quarterback situation hasn't been great. Even when Daniel Jones has been healthy, he's not healthy anymore. Uh, they didn't have a fire sale necessarily, but Seattle gets a guy who's in the last year of his contract. Um, I, I'm not sure how the compensatory pick may go if he walks in free agency, but with the rest of the season going on and how he looked against Baltimore, looked good as a three technique, the versatility that Leonard Williams can bring you. Uh, Pete Carroll guy, I mean, in terms of being at USC, I would imagine that Seattle looks to bring Leonard Williams back um, and, and to give up a second round pick when you had some other picks uh, from Denver, Denver and that Russell Wilson traded kind of eases giving up that second round pick. So that was positive. Uh, just one 
unfortunate that his first game is this loss and two uh unfortunate as well that uh i didn't I wasn't able to get this into the show because it happened right after we had finished recording so uh looking ahead excuse me the seahawks uh sit at a five and three record they're good for second in the nfc west currently their next game back at home back at lumen field so they come back after playing another uh, 10 a.m start on the road uh they will play november 12th versus the washington commanders at 125 pacific time washington's an interesting team they did just beat the new england patriots this past weekend when the seahawks had lost um but they have struggled this season sam uh you know uh just a few games ago it was jonathan allen defensive lineman for washington who used a few expletives and saying he was you know, basically tired of the losing and the way that this commander's team has struggled uh, for a good amount of time. So Washington might be out to prove something wrong. Um, and, you know, they're, they're very motivated, but also Seattle should be very motivated after such a bad loss uh, like they suffered against the Ravens. So it'll be interesting to see that that game will be on Fox. We head over to our Mariners segment of the show here. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we talked about it recently on November 5th. Center fielder uh, Julio Rodriguez does not win the Gold Glove Award for the center fielder position. Instead, it is Kevin Kiermeyer. Interesting. I mean, Kevin Kiermeyer is a great defensive center fielder, but I, you know, given the plays that he made in center field this year, uh, really thought Julio was going to win this award. On the flip side of things, as a, a friend of ours on Twitter pointed out, Julio's got plenty of time uh, to win a Gold Glove Award. So not maybe that frustrating, but still pretty frustrating i mean you know you want your guys to win hardware so also potentially frustrating the mariners are losing uh bullpen and quality control coach steven vote uh to the cleveland guardians he goes to the guardians to become their 47th manager in cleveland's franchise history at the mariners uh end of the season press conference uh he did say that he envisioned his entire coaching staff would return next year uh, he said there might be some shuffling between uh, the positions that they take but he did imagine that they would all return vote previously had interviewed with the san francisco giants before they hired bob melvin as their manager uh, did have an interview with the guardians a few weeks ago and now officially is made their manager Stephen Vogt has some local ties to the area you know the state of washington and such so it was really cool to see him take that job after his playing career ended here uh there was talks that i had heard that he would become a manager at some point i don't imagine uh that many thought it would take place this quickly but hey here it is uh takes over after terry francona has retired for cleveland um and from what i understand it's you know a lot of people really like uh what they've seen from him and and what he brings to the table i wouldn't imagine uh it's too outlandish at one point he maybe he comes in becomes a manager here so uh, we'll see uh, that free agency is officially underway by the time that this has begun. So if you're seeing this, there might be some stuff that's happened. Jerry might have made a trade already. We'll see. Um, we head over to our Sounders, and that's when they talk about the unfortunate news in the Seattle sports uh, realm this past weekend. And it continues with the Sounders after we left last week's recording to go to match one uh things went well in match one the sounders won leg one of their first round mls cup playoffs matchup against fc dallas winning that one two to nothing a nice strong complete team win 
uh, outside of a few chances here and maybe there. Uh, the Sounders look strong all night long against Dallas, uh, a Dallas team that's come in and, and really struggled to put goals on the board, struggles in, in, in their last 21 regular season matches coming into the playoffs, only having won four of them and needing a win on decision day that they got, obviously, to make it into the playoffs. Uh, New who plays one of his best games per Brian Schmetzer, at least this is what he said, uh, as a Sounder, he's our player of the match, an 8.7 match rating, one one assist. It says one goal. I'm like, I remember a new who goal. One assist. He assists on Jordan Morris's goal. It's his second of the night. An 83% passing percentage. Two chances created. Both of them big chances. Um, <laughs> nine cha- nine passes into the final third. One clearance. One headed clearance. And two interceptions. Um, sorry, I giggled there because I just got the notification that the Angels um, offered... Shohei Otani, the qualifying qualifying author. I'm like, bro, he is not, he's not coming back. I I highly doubt that. Um, regardless, uh, yeah. So Seattle plays really well in leg one, and you think, okay, this is a Dallas team that struggled to get into this uh spot in the playoffs anyway. You know, you're back at home, home field advantage. You take care of business. Good. You think a little bit of that same thing in terms of the Dallas struggles going into leg two, but note that the Sounders have struggled historically in the playoffs on the road in Frisco, Texas, where FC Dallas plays. That trend would continue as the Sounders fall in leg two on November 4th by a score of one to three. Seattle gives up two goals relatively early into this one. Uh, Jordan Morris gets one back. He's our player of the match. The 7.2 match rating, one goal, 92% passing, and one shot. Uh, but Dallas puts the final nail in the coffin and gets a third goal on the night. Uh, and just an overall tough night in Seattle. The sound, I mean, not in Seattle, for Seattle. The Sounders don't look like the same team from leg one. The effort level just isn't there. Brian Schmetzer not uh, uh, happy at all with the performance of his team in the post-match. So frustrating to see, tough to see. But now uh, you go back to Seattle and you've got this match in your home building. This Interesting first two legs. I'm sorry, I don't want my mouth to be anywhere where the... There you go. Um, feel free to let me know what you think about the format of these MLS Cup playoffs with the, the three legs here. It's, it's, it's very interesting. As a, as a kid who grew up uh, with baseball, um, you know, it's, very, it's a very baseball thing. It's very Americanized, the series, so I don't really understand it. I don't... I mean, you know, I'm not saying that because they lost. We thought this before, you know, I was talking to several media members before leg one who thought this. So I don't know. It's, it's unique. It's very unique. Uh, not the biggest fan of it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, just, it's very interesting to see how strong Seattle looked in leg one. They had kept the momentum up from decision day and, and, and how they had been uh, leading into them. They had, a 10 game streak of going uh, undefeated. You know, they hadn't lost in that streak. You know, it, was all, it wasn't all wins, but it wasn't any losses and you know, draws mixed in there. So unfortunate. Uh, I imagine we see some, some lineup changes uh, when we get to leg three, Brian Schmetzer didn't confirm that, but he alluded to it in the post-match press conference. I imagine we see Leo Chu slotted out to uh, for Nico Ladero. Leo Chu, you know, someone who we've really enjoyed seeing in his second year with, well, not in second year, in this year with the Sounders, uh, really having a breakout season, uh, has been locked up. 
for more or less against FC Dallas. So uh, give Ladero, you know, someone who has, you know, a little bit more of that experience, obviously, especially in the playoffs um, to make that impact. I would imagine we see him out there um, come leg two. So we'll, we'll look into that. Uh, but otherwise, you know, you're, the team's healthy, uh, just a disappointing effort. And that's, that's something, you know, if, if the quality of the other club, beats you it's one thing but if it's your effort that looks really disappointing and it's very visible that's frustrating let alone in the playoffs right so yeah apologize throat's all ripped up so we got tea for the day anyway um so as i mentioned three legs seattle hosts leg three that is on friday november 10th versus fc dallas with a 7 p.m pacific time kickoff the winner advances to the second round uh, to play LAFC. If Seattle were to advance, they would host through the entirety uh, of the playoffs until potentially MLS Cup if they get there, obviously, but it depends on what seed they face um, in MLS Cup because a bunch of the, the seeds higher than them uh, in the Supporters' Shield standings would host if they were to meet someone there. But because St. Louis City lost in their first-round matchup, Seattle is the highest seed. So any team in the West that they're going to play that will have to go through Seattle. Um, they have to get there, though, and obviously, you know, you've got to take care of business in this one. So 7 o'clock start time, back at Lumen Field, back in Seattle. If you can make it, if you can afford it, if you got the time, come out and join us. We'll be there. We're looking forward to it. Obviously not looking forward to having to deal with that, um, but, you know, deal with this, the stress and the struggles of a, a win or die playoff match, but we'll see. So we head over now to back to regular season play um, with our Kraken. It's funny. Just we go Seahawks regular season, Sounders playoffs, Kraken regular season, rain playoffs. Hey, you know, um, not so many smiles. Um towards the end of the week, but the first part of the week for the Kraken was good. They end out their four-game road trip, a tough four-game road trip against all, right now at least, playoff caliber teams. Um, they ended off not so great, but they started, they end off the road trip, uh, sorry, they end the road trip off good, the end of the week not so good. The road trip ends with uh, a 4-3 to overtime win against the Tampa Bay Lightning October 30th at Tampa Bay. Our player of the game is for Jared McCann. One goal, one assist, two points, six shots on goal, and two blocks for Canner in this game. A big one here. You know, again, I think we talked about it last week. Uh, Tampa, not the same Tampa Bay Lightning team that we've seen uh, win two cups, obviously. Uh, get ousted from the playoffs round one last year. Um, and a team still, even when they got, uh, when they entered the playoffs, some thought they could make another run. Um, but it's still a big win. You know, you're at the end of a road trip. Uh, you know, you you, you want to secure at least a point. Uh, and they were able to do so. So, you're, you know, you're, you're picking up points. You're putting points in the bank for later in the season when you need to worry about that sort of thing. They were able to do that. They returned home for the first of a two-game homestand, uh, and they were able to defeat uh, a Nashville Predators team that they lost to 3 to nothing. They got shut out in the second game of the year. They win this one on November 2nd versus Nashville 4-2. Our play of the game. Goaltender Philip Grubauer, Gruby, 32 saves and 941 save percentage uh, and 1.48 goals saved above expected in this game uh, against the Predators. Jared McCann scores in this game as well, as you can see this photo by Rio Giancarlo. Uh, I love the scene. You know, you can see the fans in his chest there uh, off the glass. So 
really positive again you get the overtime win against the lightning uh and then you go into the you you win this game against the predators and then after that you go against a calgary flames team next that had lost the last six games that it's played that changed when they got to Seattle as the Flames beat the Kraken 3-6 to on November 4th. Seattle's struggles historically against Calgary continue, uh, despite Calgary really struggling to start the year this season. Our player of the game forward, Yanni Gord, two assists and two points. Also notable in this game, I talk about Yanni Gord, uh, was the first Kraken player that we've seen uh, to sport a neck guard following the tragic death um, of former NHLer Adam Johnson. Uh, so... Our photo of the match for the game here by Chris Liu, photographer on site for this game, is Jared McCann. McCann was cross-checked into the ice early into this game by Flames forward Andrew Mangiapani. Mangiapani has received only a one-game suspension uh, for cross-checking McCann into the ice after McCann's head bounced off the ice when he was already down. Uh, Mangiapani checked him into the ice, which is just foolish anyway. That's its own issue. Uh, but he only receives one game. Uh, McCann was able to return to this game uh, later on, uh, get back to his shifts and was not, uh, at practice today. Uh, so no, no lingering issues, thankfully, but just really frustrating to see that happen at all. He did receive a match penalty. Calgary was without one of their forwards for the game, but they were still able to take care uh, of Seattle and pick up their first win um, to snap that winning losing streak. Our player of the week is Jared McCann. Past three games, uh, McCann, two goals, two assists, Four points, nine shots on goal, and four blocks. So McCann, you know, we obviously know him for the scoring ability, the shot that he's got, uh, the impact that he makes on offense, but still a valuable forward on the defensive side of things, uh, willing to block shots, willing to get in front. That play uh, where he got down and got cross-checked into the ice, actually, um, he had just blocked a shot so uh, or made an effort to block a shot. So... You know, his play there continues to be notable. Just unfortunate that that happened. Uh, thankfully, though, it does still seem like he's all right. So um, looking at it here. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough end of the week. Um, really frustrating to start the game off good. The first, uh, the first period was good. Oliver Bjorkstrand got on, on the board here uh, in the first period. You had things rolling. You had a two to one lead going into the first intermission. Oliver Bjorkstrand stays hot. Um, second intermission, kind of weird. You only get three shots on goal. You simply have to shoot the puck more. Uh, Dan Vladar, uh, he made some great saves, some great saves early on, but he wasn't looking unstoppable per se in this game. Uh, and you just weren't shooting the puck. Three shots on goal in the second period. At uh, three shots on goal in general is unacceptable uh, in a period. So um, obviously, for any longer period of time, it's unacceptable as well. But you get the point. Um. And then in the third period, to start the third period, you looked extremely sluggish uh, coming out of the gate. That just can happen. You know, in the first two periods, mainly in that second period, addressing uh, that, uh, Seattle just didn't take advantage of the opportunities that Calgary had given them, had given them on a silver platter. It was very obvious that this was a team that had lost six in a row coming into this game. And the Kraken didn't take advantage. They didn't go out there with the killer mindset, the killer uh Killer mindset, killer, you know, to the, the ability to go out there and take advantage of the mistakes that Calgary was making, take advantage of what the Flames were giving them. And then in the third period, you come out kind of sluggish, you know, you're, you're in, you're an autopilot and Calgary jumps on that. This is a team that uh, after the game, Dave Hexel said they wanted it more. Uh, they just, Calgary, yeah, they wanted it more. So frustrating to see that. 
But given the four-game road trip that you had, uh, the win against Nashville, all four games on that road trip and the game against Nashville, those are all good teams. And so to take away the majority of the points from that is good. What's not good is seeing the lack of intensity, lack of effort, the lack of focus in the second half of the loss against Calgary. Hoping that changes around, uh, hoping that isn't something that lingers as they go on a road trip now. Uh, the month of November is weird. They're very much uh, on the road, on back home, on the road. On There's no real long home stand or long road trip per se. Uh, so, you know. Uh, tough there to build a lot of uh, build a lot in practice. Practice today at least looked focused. It wasn't high energy per se. It wasn't high in a beat, but it was very much a, a team that looked like they wanted to correct mistakes that had been made uh, previously. So that part's good to see. Oh gosh, my hearing, my eardrum just got blown out. That's weird. Um, in terms of injury related news and updates of, of the sort, Brandon Tanev has been practicing in a red non contact jersey, or as our photographer Liv Lyons would say, a non touchy jersey. Uh, um, participating in team drills as of recently has not been taken off injured reserve. Uh, the other day, uh, before the Predators game, uh, Dave Hexall was asked about it and said that, you know, he is progressing, but he wouldn't give a timeline for it. That's not necessarily his job either. Uh, there's potential we might see him on this road trip. He did practice today. He did join the team. So I think he's ramping up. I wouldn't doubt that we see him on the road trip. Um, but, you know, back on the, the, the Predators game, he said that uh, something nothing's imminent. He just mentioned progress. So, you know, keep that going. Uh, Andre Burakovsky, uh, also injured, has been around the team facility. Uh, when we've seen him, he has been in street clothes, though. Um, so, uh, he's been around the facility. I believe he's getting his individual work done. He hasn't been on the ice that we've been able to see. Um, so that's good to see, at least good to know he's around. Uh, like to have the presence. I'm sure that the team that the, the team likes to have that presence around. But yeah, he has not uh, been on the ice. So he's still working back, obviously, from his injury. Uh, looking ahead, the Kraken sit at a four win, six loss uh, and two overtime loss record. Still fifth in the division. Uh, with 10 points. Their next game is tomorrow, November 7th, at the Arizona Coyotes with a 6 p.m. Pacific time puck drop. Going back to Mullet Arena, I highly expect Joey Decord to get the start in this game, you know, going back to uh, a place that he fondly remembers, obviously, with Arizona State. Uh, and this is a Coyotes team that, you know, they're not a bad team. They've got their own respective struggles, but they've got some talent down there in the desert. Um. Excuse me. Look after that. Uh, Seattle will rematch a team that they lost to in their home and opener. Opener, uh, November 9th at the Colorado Avalanche is the second game of this uh, second game, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Again, two game road trip. Very weird. Uh, playing a Colorado Avalanche team, obviously, uh, that's very talented, uh, looking to make it back to the playoffs this year, uh, and, and still probably not happy that they got bounced from the first round of the playoffs by this Kraken team. They'll then return home on the 11th um, versus the Edmonton Oilers. It's a 7 o'clock puck drop. Uh, the first time that they played the Oilers this year, the third of the Pacific Division teams that Seattle will see, obviously, um, having seen Vegas in the game, uh, season opener and Calgary that we just talked about. So, uh, the Oilers have struggled to begin the season, but still a lot of talent. Obviously, McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh, Evander Kane, uh, even if he's a bad person. Um, some talent there. So it won't be an easy week for the Kraken whatsoever. But as we've talked about through the majority of the season, uh, Seattle has shown a bunch of positives uh, throughout the entirety of their game. 
Ooh, probably the most exciting part of the week, just because uh, there were no losses involved. The Kraken section, not so bad. Same with the Sounders, just unfortunate uh, with the Sounders. You know, you split the two games, you're not advancing yet. Knock on the woods. Uh, the Kraken, you win two of the last three games over the past week. Seahawks, you trade for Leonard Williams, but you lose really bad. Uh, so there are good and good and bads to take away. But the best news out of the entirety of the week um, in the city of Seattle for our pro sports teams, the Oil Reign snap their losing streak in the semifinal. They had lost the past four uh, matches they had played a semifinal in. For the first time since 2015, the Reign are headed to the NWSL Championship. They beat the San Diego Wave, the NWSL Shield winners this year, um, down in Snapdragon Stadium, which unfortunately had a ton of the San Diego Aztecs, San Diego State Aztecs uh, marking on the field still there. The conversion crew wasn't able to get that done. Uh, but regardless, the Reign win this one. Uh, it's another one to nothing score, same as their quarterfinal win over uh, Angel City. Our player of the match for Veronica Lasko. Lasko, the hero, once again, an 8.0 match rating, one goal, 74% passing, one shot on target, and three passes into the final third. Uh, just, <laughs> it's funny because in the post-match press conference, Veronica Lasko confirmed that she wasn't trying to score this goal. Uh, she was actually trying to cross the ball. So, um um, make sure we get this credit on on screen. All credit to the NWSL and the CBS Sports Network, CBSSN. Uh, we'll show you that goal right here. You can see by watching it, it is very much across as Lasko confirmed in the post match press conference. Uh, but you'll very much take it, especially in the playoffs. Off. Rose Labelle picks it up. Lasko in line. That cross off the post and in. I think Sheridan thought it was going wide. one nothing. O.L. Reign. Wow, that was the biggest anti-climax ever. Latsko definitely wasn't going for goal from the first look that I had, but who cares? It's 1-0 to O.L. Reign. I think that caught everybody by surprise. I think Caleb Sheridan thought it was going over. We can see it. another look here. Roosevelt peels out to the right-hand side. Plays a little intricate ball in the inside. Lasko's just gone for the cross. And it's completely caught Caitlin Sheridan out. You can see it's quite fortunate in the end. There's not really much that Caitlin Sheridan could have done defensively as well. I mean, maybe here, Coloprico could have delayed the cross, stopped the cross. Pogash has to get tighter. Casey Stoney, we, we spoke to her about that, delaying the cross. I mean, you see the ball. <laughs> At the rough and tumble watch party uh i very much thought this ball was going up and out of bounds i did not at all think <laughs> because you had you had Heidema near post so it makes sense to cross the ball in right just considering her ability uh for the header she's one of the taller players on this team at 511 the ball goes by her you can see her she she's like okay this is not going for me the closest player is Megan Rapino back post, and she's not even close to it. And so I'm like, oh shoot. I I like if you had a camera on me at the time, I was just kind of like, oh, okay, it's it's going out. And then I see the goal, like the net move, and I was like, what in the hell? Uh yeah, that was wow. Uh Veronica Lasko continues uh her incredible run in these playoffs. She becomes only the third player in NWSL history 
uh, to score in consecutive playoff games. Uh, the other two being Dabinia uh, and Crystal Dunn back in 2019 with the NC, NC Courage. Um, a bunch happened this match, man. A bunch happened in this match. It was the first time ever that the fact that the two previous Shield winners ever played each other in a match. Emily Sonnet reached uh, 1,000 career uh, playoff minutes played, uh, joining Chris, Christine Sinclair and Lynn Williams. Uh, I, I'm just going to get out the stats because this needs to be talked about. You know, obviously, uh, we've talked about it before. One of the big reasons that I started circling CL Sports um, was to give teams like the Rain and the Storm their the, their proper respect. Um, so we're going to give the Rain, you know, their proper respect when it comes to uh, the the segment here on the show. Um, yeah, we looked at it here. So it's funny, the four seeded Rain and the six seeded uh, New York New Jersey Gotham will play in the Universal Championship. Portland loses to Gotham. Uh, and the wave loses to the rain. Uh, this was also the highest attended playoff match in NWSL history at 32,262 fans packing into Snapdragon Stadium. Uh, it's the third time that the rain have been in the NWSL championship. Uh, and the first time since 2015, the rain, in case you did not know, their first three years in the league, they made it twice, uh, their second and third year back in 2014 and 2015, losing both matches to FC Kansas City a club that does not exist anymore and is not related to uh, the Kansas City current. Uh, they send their unbeaten streak over San Diego to nine games. So the two years that the Wave have existed, despite all the success that they've had this season, they have never beaten the Rain. Uh, they go uh, winless against the Rain this year in five matches played, being shut out in four of them, which is remarkable considering the talent, again, that the Wave have. It's a very good – I'm not dissing the Wave. They're a very good club. They're just not good against the Rain, it seems. Um, so uh, Claudia Dickey has consecutive clean sheets in the playoffs. Uh, last week, uh, when she made her quarterfinal, uh, when she played in the quarterfinal, she became the fifth goalkeeper to record a clean sheet in her playoff debut and the third youngest to do so. Um, goodness, the 13 passes ended up leading to Glasgow's goal with the most passes in the buildup to a goal in playoff history for the NWSL. Uh, Rose Lavelle got the assist on that Latsko goal, made her first start with the club since September 3rd, uh, earning the assist on it. As I mentioned, it was her first ever playoff assist and her sixth all time. Uh, the win brings the all time series to yes, seven wins, zero losses and two draws uh, for the rain against San Diego. As I mentioned, Emily Sonnet passes a 1000 minutes. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and I know it was a one to nothing victory. You know, it's obviously tight. If you can do the math, if you can see how tight the, the margin is there, but the first half, it was a very OL rain half. It was, it was par for the course. It's what we've seen over the past three seasons for the rain. Um, and I'm not saying this to this Laura Harvey, but under Laura Harvey, you know, they generate chances. They generate chances. We've been talking about this. We talked about this against angel city in the quarterfinal win. The rain generate chances. They just haven't been able to get that last foot on the ball, that last touch, maybe the last pass to get to a better angle to complete the goal. You know, uh, sorry, everything's happening. It's a busy day. We'll get through it. But yes, so the rain generate chances, generate chances. But it didn't feel like some of those matches for this club during that that tough period of time this season, late in the season, where it felt like you know there was a invisible force field uh, covering up. The goal. No, it felt like that goal was coming, and it felt like they were very much on the front foot. The wave struggled with the rain's high press. Uh, they didn't really put 
a tough effort on Claudia Dickey much at all during this game. They had 13 shots for them on goal, but none of them really challenged her, made her get out of her spot. Very much we're all able to control it. Dickey looks strong. She looks confident throughout the course of the game. A big factor, though, in the final 15 minutes, the last 10 of regulation and five in, uh, in added time, um, was the defenders, the back line, even the midfielders coming back to make blocks. Emily Sonnet had a big block late in this game uh, in the box just to go and get in front of the ball. That effort is big. And uh, the rain, Rose Lavelle and Veronica Lasko, where the players made available to us in the press conference, talked about buying in defensively and ensuring that you know the defensive aspect of their game comes first, and then they move on from that. They build the momentum off that. They feed off of their defensive effort. Uh, defense wins championships, knocks on the wood. And, you know, that was apparent in this game with the rain, how 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 well they played defensively to go out and get there uh, on the front foot. So impressive, really impressive. You'd obviously like to have the more than the one goal. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, you're in the championship. That's what matters. That's what is at hand currently. Um, another piece of news that drops today, no rain players, unfortunately, make the NWSL first or second teams. But I, and I say this because they'll probably be more OK with getting to play for the championship as opposed to the individual honors. I'm sure some of, m- more than a few of the players from the rain deserve to have at least second team honors. Emily Sonnet being one of them. Um, but you're playing for the championship at the end of the day. So. Uh, that'll be really exciting. I, I look up and I apologize. You're going to have to see me stand up here. But last year, when the rain lost to the current in the semifinal, uh, I had already applied to go to the NWSL championship in Washington, D.C., uh, and the rain did not go there. But I've got the credential here from and I'm not going to show you it because in, in case you're trying to get in the media or anything like that, sports media, you're not supposed to show off your credentials. As silly as it sounds, they can be copied. People can do bad things with them, so you just don't show them. It's 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 an unwritten rule of sorts. Um, you don't do it. Don't post credentials. I've got some of the confetti here from last year's uh, at uh, Audi Field uh, when Portland won. Unfortunately, um, I'll put it back on its display. Um, and very happy to announce I'll be there this year. So, uh, yeah, it'll be big. It'll be in San Diego uh, at Snapdragon Stadium on Saturday. This will be, you know, and, and I say this to our Converge viewers, any new viewers, uh, and anybody who's followed us at Circling South Sports for a while, it'll be the first championship, uh, league championship, that we'll get to cover in person. And over the course of the time that CSS existed, uh, starting back in late 2019, we've had uh, we didn't cover MLS Cup because that was after um, that was before. Pardon me, we started the podcast um, really briefly before. Uh, the Seahawks haven't won one. The Mariners haven't won anything. Uh, the Storm won the WNBA title in 2020, but obviously we were in the bubble at that point. They were in the bubble. We were in lockdown, so couldn't cover that in person. We talked about it on the podcast. Uh, but that was about it. Um, the Sea Wolves have been, but they lost, unfortunately, a few years ago. Um, hmm, let's see. Sounders haven't made it. They made it to the MLS Cup in 2020, but lost. Uh, so we probably talked about that on the podcast as well. Kraken obviously haven't made it. Uh, the Sounders did win uh, CCL. It's not a league title. So we did that. That'd be the the the, the, the one. Um, 
yeah, this is it, man. I mean, sorry, I, I apologize for reminiscing on it, but this is big for us. You know, this we still got a lot of room to go. I know that you know a lot of people are proud of us, and I appreciate that, and I take that to heart. But um, yeah, this oh god, this is big, man. I mean, the rain. Um, again, don't post credentials, but on the wall over to my right here in the home studio, I've got all my first credentials from each team. The rain's the first ever credential that I received. Uh, you know, the the whole team, the whole franchise, top to bottom, whether it's the ownership, not so much the ownership, but people with the ownership, uh, general managers, front office members, you know, staff, to the players and to the fan base, the rain have have been our biggest supporters overall across any team. You know, we get a lot of followers uh, recently for Kraken, recently for Mariners. Um, but the rain, you know, that's been huge for us, you know, so it means a lot that the first, uh, championship that I'll cover, um, will be them. So that'll be, uh, really special. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting rain content out across our social, uh, platforms at circling Seattle sports out all weekend, all week. Sorry. I'll, I'll run the, the social media banner. I apologize. I didn't plan on doing this. Um, you're like, oh, this guy's crying now. Yeah, I apologize. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, remarkable. So we'll get content out all, all week long. Mostly be articles. Uh, we'll we'll look at uh, Gotham and and the matchups that they present. You know, really great that it'll be uh, Ali Krieger uh, against Megan Rapino and their both of their final matches of their career. Unfortunate that one will have to end in heartbreak. Uh, but glad at least that the two longtime friends, the two U.S. Women's National Team legends, uh, will get to end their career playing for a title. So uh, that will take place, as I mentioned, the NWSL Championship, November 11th versus Gotham FC, New York, New Jersey, at 5 p.m. Pacific time. You can watch this game. It's going to be broadcast on... Oops, try to get rid of the social banner. Um, on CBS and on Paramount+. Plus. You can see to the left on your left-hand side of the Gotham logo is the new NWSL Championship debuted this year by Tiffany & Co. in partnership with the NWSL. So it's big. This is really big. If you're not going to San Diego like we are, you can watch on CBS, of course. You can watch on Paramount+. Plus. You can follow us on social media as we'll obviously be there to cover that. Uh, I know the Kraken play later that day, but you'll have plenty of time to watch this match and to watch the Kraken as well. And this is a championship. You know, you, you have to prioritize a championship over a regular season game. The least you can do is tap in for me. If you do, and you're my friends, and you follow us on social media, let us know that you are tapped in. It'll be great to know what of our followers uh, are tuning in for this game. So to wrap things up with our star of the week, I know it was her against uh, Angel City. It only makes sense to go back to her because of this and because of what she has done all year long. It's unfortunate, apparently on commentary, um, one of the commentators, JP, said that it basically said it was surprising that it was Latsko who scored and, you know, basically a little bit of a backhanded comment. And you got to push back on that. Veronica Latsko, if you have followed this rain club, if you have followed her career, and if you have just watched the rain this season, you'll know that she is someone who works incredibly hard day in and day out. Megan Rapino, uh, uh, Laura Harvey, uh, both in recent press conferences have lauded her her work ethic saying that maybe she should she should not work so hard uh 
you know, asking whatever she's been, you know, doing whatever she's been asked, whether it's playing as an outside back when the World Cup happened, uh, you know, not starting, uh, being on the bench, not playing at all, playing a few minutes, playing a lot of minutes, starting, you know, uh, you know, running all over the field, dealing with this high press. Veronica Lasco has done whatever has been asked of her. Uh, you know, at, at when we had her in training last week and talked to her incredibly kind when she was at Rough and Tumble for a special event, incredibly kind. I mean, you can't say enough about Lasko on and off the field. I'm sure her teammates would say the same, the coaching staff as well. Anybody that's interacted with Veronica Lasko knows that she's a, a person with a heart of gold. And it's only uh, <laughs> satisfying to see her, you know, reap the rewards of, of that golden heart of making that conscious effort, whether it's as a human being or as a player on the pitch uh, to go out there and make an impact and make a difference. Uh, so to her, um, you know, as much good karma as she's got, we're going to need it in the championship uh, this upcoming Saturday. So I apologize for crying on your screen until we see you next week. Um, goodness. Yeah. We'll be having dealt with a championship by then. Uh, the Seahawks will have played. We'll know whether or not the Sounders will advance to the second round of the MLS Cup playoffs. We'll have another week of crack and hockey uh, as they look to continue the positive momentum that they've built on that road trip uh, and in that win against Nashville and in the first period, at least, of that Calgary game. Uh, free agency is starting. We've got news on that already. So I got articles to write. So until I see you next week on the 13th, um, and we'll have a new set uh, with the uh, with our show on Converge. So Take care of yourselves. Be well. Do whatever you can to make today a great day. Be careful in the rain. Don't use an umbrella if you're from Seattle. Um, I love you all. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you soon. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.